Welcome back, or if it's your first time, I'm glad to have you here. I'm Matt Fendora, and you're tuned in to the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, where we journey together toward becoming the best version of ourselves. Using mind, body, heart, and spirit as the anchors of our podcast, join me as we set sail into the depths of self-discovery, unraveling the interconnected layers that shape our growth. If you resonate with today's conversation, consider subscribing to the podcast. Your support means the world to us and ensures you never miss an empowering episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, the podcast all about being the best version of yourself through mind, body, heart, and spirit. Today, I'm here with Leanne Kind. Leanne is the owner of Single Spark Coaching Copy and a writer for coaches. She writes emails, social media posts, and blogs to help coaches reach soul-aligned clients. She is also a co-author of A Note to My Family, I Am Your Legacy, which came out December 1st. Some of Leanne's proudest accomplishments include becoming a mom, starting a writing business, giving up alcohol, running half marathons, and doing things because they light her up and give her meaning and overcoming her fears about doing them, such as what will other people think? What makes her heart sing? Writing, reading, running, meditation, mindfulness, her son, being a mom, art, coaching, personal development, neuroscience, and the list goes on. Without further ado, here's Leanne Kind. How are you doing today, Leanne? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Super excited for this to get uh, a writer on here and get your perspective on a lot of different things and what that means of being a writer and how that incorporates in just not just like in business, but how that translates to life experiences as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Writing is I'm such a big fan of words, reading, writing, and um, it definitely transcends just a means to an end or copywriting and getting clients and stuff like that. Writing can definitely help you process emotions, process traumas, make sense of the world, connect people. It's, it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool. I can't really understate that. Yeah. (laughs) Or overstate that. Excuse me. (laughs) So what was it that got you into writing? Why did you follow that path? So I always find it funny when people ask me this because I, writing is something I've done since I was a little, little girl, uh, just almost my entire life. Ever since I can remember, writing has been a big part of who I am. Um, I was a big journaler as, you know, a little girl, I journaled a ton. So, um, and that's just how I made sense of the world, everything like that. Um, I had a pretty, uh, messy childhood. My parents got divorced and, uh, it was <laughs> a little chaotic at home and everything like that. And I just journaled through it. And I, um, ever since then, once I went to school, I loved reading, um, was really close friends with my librarian, all that good stuff, almost like a Matilda sort of story. <laughs> and Yeah. And then I uh, went to college. I majored in English and communication and like the journalism piece of it. And it just, it felt like the natural path to me. So it's something that I got into. Um, Yeah. I've kind of been into it my whole life. I really only left um, for a brief, uh, maybe like three, four years um, I left freelance writing. I left uh, writing jobs. Um, I always worked in writing um, for marketing, freelance writing. I left um, just to get a more secure job and I missed it so much. And uh, <laughs> um, it really wasn't as, um, yeah, it just wasn't worth the the quote unquote steady paycheck to give up my dream like that. So I return back to it. It's something I've always done. I've loved writing always. Yeah, when you <laughs> when you have that calling, you, it's it's hard to ignore it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um and yeah, my I I've always always just come back to it and it, it's felt so natural. So, when I was younger, I started picking up <laughs> writing for at the time I didn't realize it as an adult I realized 
that because of the childhood that I had, I was actually using my writing as an escape. So I was writing these fictional novels and using, uh, you know, using a different name, but it was essentially me as this character, but in a better life. So do you think that the childhood that you had had any impact on you beginning writing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I certainly used books the way you just said, like I used it as an escape. I was like, oh, I want to kind of get myself out of this current situation and just see what else is out there. And um, that's the beautiful thing about novels and writing in general is even if you're reading some crazy fantasy or sci-fi novel, there's still those beautiful emotions underlying it. Like if you think of Lord of the Rings or something, there's just <laughs> those um, really, really human um, and, you know, friendship, um, like, love like i mean sacrifice peace like all this stuff that's underlying the themes underlying there um that you can still relate to even if it's takes place in this crazy world but to get back to your question um yeah definitely i think like it just sort of evolved naturally i started reading these books um it i mean to get specific it was the dear america series I don't know if they hold up. <laughs> I haven't read them in quite some time, but it was just all like a a young uh, adult um, sort of series with all of these girls writing about their experience of coming to America. And then I kind of decided to copycat that and uh, write my own diary and like do my own experiences. And as I started, I kind of just did it on a whim as you would do anything in childhood. But um I realized it was helping me process what was going on. It was helping me feel calmer and, you know, just feel like a kid again when I wrote. So, and kind of sort of the way you would hope to feel growing up versus, you know, feeling like your parents are yelling at each other and your family's messed up and, you know, everything's uh, not like you would like it to be. So things felt calmer and like they made more sense when I was writing. So I kept it up. <laughs> I, th I think what you said was, was perfect. It helps you process things. So you used your, mm -hmm. your journal for that. At what point did you start to transition from outside of just journaling? Did you start with creating like a fictional story? I did a little bit growing up. Um, I did um slight attempts at fiction but i never i'll be honest like i just started as an adult finishing like short stories finishing um somewhat longer stories things like that i would start a bunch of fiction books or well books even or stories as a kid and just never finish them because i was 10 or whatever i didn't have the attention span <laughs> So, um, I enjoyed it, but I mean, I've always enjoyed all writing. I love, uh, creating and stuff. And actually, um, I think there's a lot more to right now. Um, I'm a copywriter for coaches, so that might seem, um, copywriting in general might seem like a little clinical or, um, st structured, but there's actually a ton of creativity in every single form of writing. And it's, a really way a beautiful way to express yourself to help someone else express themselves and get their message out there so um yeah i i love all forms of writing really <laughs> when it came to your journaling and you were processing all these things is there a certain way that you did it that helped you processing so if you were to give advice to somebody who is in a difficult situation especially when they're younger what tips could you give mm. for them to really start journaling and processing all those things? I would uh, give different answers to young kids versus adults. Um, okay. So I would say when I was a kid, what I did is I had fun with it. Like I, <laughs> and I would encourage, that's what I would encourage young people to do. I, you know, um, signed it off with cheesy little nicknames I had for myself. You know, I made sure to start everything with like Dear Diary and stuff. Like I just had fun with it. 
And sometimes it was cheesy. Sometimes it was like over the top, but almost like how you found that escape in fiction writing. I found that escape in kind of being just silly and having as much fun as possible with my writing. And I definitely still recommend that for adults. Absolutely. Always have fun with your writing. I have a post-it note on my desktop, literally, that says have fun as a reminder to myself because writing is fun. Writing is beautiful, but sometimes you can get bogged down in the details or deadlines or something like that. And that can, um, yeah, I need that reminder sometimes. I think everyone does. But um, for adults, I think... You know, there's all different kinds of journaling, really. Like I would do, um, I would do what works for you. I know that sounds like a cop out, but I really don't think it is because we're also individual and everything like that, that I think you have to find what works for you and do that. Um, there's gratitude journaling. Gratitude journaling has been immensely helpful to me as an adult, I mean, there's stream of consciousness writing. You can kind of combine different forms of journaling and do a little bit of both. You can do whatever you want to do. Um, some people start with reflection questions. Some people just write about their day. But you have to do what you're going to stick to. It's kind of like an exercise uh, regime or whatever. Like the best journaling as an adult, I think, is the one that helps you most and the one that you're going to stick to. So if it feels like you're forcing it at all, try a different type. <laughs> that's that's an amazing point because I never thought of that from a different standpoint because as adults we think hey we need to to work through this um especially as, yeah. as a uh, coach we're thinking hey we just need to work through this work through this whatever hey here's the information to work through it but as a kid it's a lot harder to process all those things and so the simple idea of mm -hmm. have fun while you're doing it and you can be creative I think is a fantastic yeah. <laughs> way to actually process it instead of just focusing on an emotion because that can get super overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good point too. Like I I think, like you said, like our intuition can be so strong. And I think I kind of stumbled onto that as a kid. I, I wasn't thinking like, oh, you know, just have fun with it. Make it lighthearted. You know, it was something I sort of um, <laughs> stumbled on, but it, that's a really um, good point. And I think our intuition and um, as children, you know, we're wiser than we know. So one thing I wanted to point out um, in your bio, you said one of your proudest accomplishments was giving up alcohol, which there's always a story <laughs> behind that. So I'd love to hear what the story is behind that being one of your proudest accomplishments. Sure. So I would say that just for a long, long time, I, well, that's, um, sorry, I'm getting wordy here, but, uh, <laughs> we're tongue tied. Um, basically I was growing up, I was like a dreamer. I was idealistic. I was in the midst of just like this really messy situation. My parents were at each other's throats. My mother, uh, stayed in bed for days after my dad moved out. And then like for years, she repeated that same pattern and would just stay in bed for days and was just suffered really horrible bouts of depression and everything like that. Um, so I would say in spite of all of that, I was a really like happy kid. And I, I, uh, was like a dreamer. I was really idealistic head in the clouds kind of thing, but it really helped me get through. And, I kind of lost some of that naturally over the years. I think we all do. But um, when it kind of like all came to a head when I was in like my late 20s and stuff, where all of a sudden I was just like, wow, I don't recognize who I used to be, you know. Um, and um, I was working a dead end job at that point. I was working in corporate America and data entry. I, um, just, yeah, I, things weren't going the way I had hoped they would go. And I felt really stuck. And I think I turned like anyone else would, or, you know, people turn to all sorts of coping mechanisms and things like that. So I think I turned to alcohol a little bit to numb my emotions and just not feel the unpleasant things. I was feeling not feel like 
I'm not where I want to be in life and I don't know if I'll ever get there. Um, and I'm not doing the things I want to do and I don't know if I'll ever do them. You know, I, I used alcohol to tamp that down. And then again, (laughs) over time, the perfect storm helps me really get through that. Um, I think, um, becoming a mom was a huge piece of it. And then finding coaching incidentally, um, I really didn't know much about coaching until, I stumbled on a couple podcasts and um, one of the clients I work with now, um, I like like very, very um, surface level knew who Tony Robbins was, but that was about it. And um, then I learned about it and I was like, oh, I'm horribly, horribly stagnating. That's why I'm so depressed. That's why this is a problem for me. And coaching really helped me like lean into personal growth and everything again. So giving up alcohol, becoming a mom, finding coaching, that was just, again, like the perfect storm. It really helped me get out of climb out of that rut that I was in and kind of, I don't know. I'm just really, really grateful for that transition that changed and everything it sort of kicked off. So yeah, I was able to start my writing business after that. Uh, I returned to freelancing, then I started my writing business. Um, And I do, I feel more confident as a mom because of course, like if you're able to let go of habits that aren't serving you, behaviors that aren't great um, for your child and prioritize them, that that feels good in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, have you found a, different means of handling your stress now since you took away that one coping mechanism do you have a replacement for that that's more healthy for you yeah i have a couple of replacements actually but um first of all i would like to say that i think actually and i mean just chemically speaking like a in a neuroscience level alcohol actually makes you more stressed so um, <laughs> It wasn't doing the thing even that I was hoping it would do. Mm -hmm. So there's that quick note. Um, It actually was making the problem worse, like uh, pouring fuel on the fire kind of thing. But um, now I I write all the time, obviously, Um, writing for clients, writing for myself, writing for professional projects. All of that really helps me process. I still journal to this day. Um, and I love running. Running is an incredible escape for me. Um, I love, I love meditation and mindfulness. I'm like kind of, a really geeky about that. I love the 10% happier uh, podcast, um, and how Dan Harris approaches it. He's very practical and kind of makes it ex- accessible. Even if you've never meditated before, you don't know anything about it. He makes it really accessible to kind of learn about it and uh, get into it. And then, um, yeah, I know this is going to sound a little saccharine, but it's 100% true. I just love spending time with my baby too. Like just seeing my son like laugh, seeing him experience the world. He's two um, and have like some of these experiences for the first time and um, having his mind blown by like this tiniest things. It just, it really helps you be present and fully live life. So it's, yeah, that's what I do these days. <laughs> yeah. I think kids bring out the stress in us, but also teach us those <laughs> methods at the same time, because I mean, like you said, like my son is two and a half and there are times where I'm just so busy and he'll just come up to me, dad, grab my hand, come play with me. And I'm like, I'm so busy. And I just, I stop for a second. I'm like, <laughs> All right, bud, like even if it's five minutes, like your world stops for five minutes, his world is blooming. Like he feels all the love and that relationship that you have with him. And then you're like, oh, okay, my my day isn't that stressful. I took five minutes away from what I was working on (laughs) to be present. And that makes a whole difference. And then you also get all that oxytocin from that connection too. So it literally tells your brain like, calm down, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that definitely. And I've found, you know, I I definitely try to model good habits. I don't uh, use my phone around him. So I'll kind of put it away. 
And then as you said, that absolutely like kind of forces you into the present moment. And I've just found cheesy stuff, you know, like I'll focus on the feel of the grass or the sunlight in the trees and things like that. Things I just definitely would not maybe notice if I had a phone in my hand, you know? And, um, yeah, I, and I've started things, you know, I, I craft with him and stuff. We do art as a way to pass the time. So that's like really therapeutic and, um, everything as well. And that's something I, I don't always make time for if it wasn't for my son. So mm-hmm. yeah, kids do bring out, I think it's a really beautiful side of us. So, <laughs> so one question I have is, um, one thing that you mentioned to me was that some people confuse you with being a coach. However, you <laughs> are a writer for coaches, but you've also <laughs> recently certified as a coach. So with that being said, how do you help uh-huh. coaches? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a writer for coaches um, and I did recently get certified, but how I use those certifications is to actually just like better inform what I do. Um, you know, I want all of the um as with anything else, like I want as much industry knowledge as possible. I want as much expertise as possible. So I chose to get certified. So um, I use that to inform my writing and how I help coaches. um, It's a bit of a, uh, you know, a gamut there. Like um, (laughs) a lot of coaches, I think are, they're just so beautifully positioned to help people when you talk to them on the phone, like talk to them one-on-one and stuff, but I don't think they quite know how to put that in words. Um, and I help them do that. So I, I definitely help them do that. I've also worked with coaches who are just um, scaling their businesses as well. So um, they are going from just a, a solopreneur sort of practice to a small business and I help them with that just because, um, and, um, as I'm sure, you know, once you start getting into it, if you do embrace different marketing channels and media, um, you know, if you have an email list, social media, podcast, this and that, like it gets overwhelming to write every bit of copy, every bit of content by yourself. So having someone to help you is huge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I kind of, I do that. I do ideation. I do, um, more, um, <clears throat> I guess like hands-on stuff, um, if need be. And then I also just, uh, yeah, help out when people are scaling and they need that extra hand. So how do you channel that? How do you, so if you're helping them write their posts and mm-hmm. how, do how do you connect with them to the point where the message that you're writing sounds like it's coming from them? Um, so I would say I first first started it very very naturally, which I think like has given me a great springboard to do it for other people. One of the first coaches I wrote for, and I still write for it to this day. Um, I just really I listened to her podcast. I read her book. I really, really connected with her as a person and the message she was putting out there. So, and I actually uh, reached out to her after um, just following her for so long, and then it felt really natural to write in her voice after reading everything, after resonating with her message so strongly. Um, and as for other people, I use some of the same tactics you know if they have a podcast if they have a book i'll definitely do my research there if they have social media i'll do my research um we also have like monthly strategy calls so we'll talk about it one-on-one there um and uh yeah i've even um done um this was for like a shorter novella that i was like writing for a client but i you know i've done um interviews with them to kind of get their their life story and get it down in their own words. And then I kind of just polished it up and prettied it up a little bit. Um, I think people think that's, um, 
I think there's a little bit of a misconception that people think it's like really, really hard to write in other people's voice. Like, of course, like everyone's unique. Everyone has unique gifts to offer the world. But um, if you do your research, if you talk to someone, if you become really uh, well acquainted with who they are, what they do, what they're about, it gets kind of, you know, it's not, it, it does. It feels natural to write in their voice. And I mean, I have practical things like um, I refer to clients branding manuals and stuff like that. And I have a brand sheet for each like client, but um, really it's kind of, you get a feel for it after a while. And it's, it's actually really fun. It's almost like, I would say it's almost like acting in a bit, like where you're trying to get into a character's, you know, like into character. So I sort of think about it like that a little bit. Like I love writing. I love getting a message out there, but I, go through a process where I get into character before I start it. <laughs> okay. I was kind of going to ask you that next in a way. So uh, a question on top <laughs> of that. So I'm sure you have a number of clients that you have, and each one has a different project or different requests from you. How do you manage getting into character essentially for all these different people and managing meeting each deadline too and then on top of that you have your own brand that you're that you work on as well so how do you what's your time management process look like yeah um so i would say so time management specifically because i feel like getting into character is a little bit different but um so time managed specifically um i actually worked out a system from fighting um i I actually s removed things. So I stopped um, resisting or I had this block at first when I started my company where I felt like, okay, like I'm going to Google the top five productivity management software things. And like, that's, I'm going to have to find one of those and make it work for me, you know? And I think when I stopped and I gave my self permission to do what actually works for me that's when everything sort of fell into place so i know it sounds cheesy but i actually have like a hybrid sort of to-do list where i um i start on the computer i have like an electronic file but then i print it out i have it right in front of me i'm a very visual person so having everything right in front of me i break it down by client so that's how i keep all my deadlines straight in all my projects per client straight. And I have that right in front of me. I also have the electronic version if they need it, they want me to refer back to anything. And I also put, just like I put my client's work on there, I put my like little own personal marketing and everything on there too. So I have a, a sort of category just for myself and for my own marketing and for my own company. So it may sound really, really simple, but it works for me. And that's what's most important. And it just came from an email newsletter that I read from a coach where she was literally like, stop trying to force someone like, you know, someone else's methods on your, your life, your productivity, your business, you know, like, you know, what's most effective for you. So just lean into that. So I leaned into that and it's been really, really effective. I stay really organized that way. Um, and I think it varies person to person. I think if you've ever had a method of like a to-do list, a calendar or whatever that really, really works out for you, just go with it. Even if it's not what everyone else is doing, um, especially with all of the project management software out there today. So um, and as for getting into character, getting like my client's voices straight and everything like that, um, I find it can be helpful to, so I do kind of like batch, uh, tasks by client and everything like that. So I definitely like work on one client stuff, like for a chunk of time and then another client stuff for a chunk of time. I don't like uh, you know, write an email for one client, an email for another client. I don't know. Uh, it helps me to time block by client, um, mm. to keep their voices straight. I also kind of, um, yeah, I absolutely, uh, 
if they have a podcast, if they have a, a book, if they have social media posts that they already written, or even if I've done this with green coaches, like who just, just got started, even if I did their social media for them from the very start, if they came back to me and had especially great feedback about a post and were like, this nailed my voice, this was great. I will refer to kind of go back and just like read a little snippet of that um, before I got started. And I know that sounds so simple, but that's really, really um, just helpful for me. And I think it's helpful um, in a lot of different things, like um, even to stay motivated running and meditating and stuff. It helps to read a little bit of a running book or a little bit of a meditation book. So um, slightly different here, but yeah, I just... I read a little bit of the client's writing. I, I listen to a little bit of the podcast. So I kind of just get in that zone for a couple minutes before I start. I think what you said on the, um, your hybrid for yeah. your productivity <laughs> and being uh -huh. authentic is so important because it changes <laughs> not just your productivity, but like your joy too. So for example, yeah. one of the things that we had, we had discussed that I had asked you before was I talked to you about how you did your posts, right? Because you post all the time. I think you post every single day, at least Monday through Friday, there's a post and it just seems so natural to you. There's all this information and everybody engages on your post because of how you write it. And so I had asked you how you did that. And we talked, which I'm going to ask you here in a minute about the content pillars. That's what we had talked about. And so I went back and I looked at the pillars that I had. And what I realized was looking at it, I was trying to be somebody else. So I was trying, yeah, I was looking yeah. at it as, hey, this is somebody that I would follow or that gives me some something to write about that I think people would like instead of this is who I am and this is what I what brings me joy and what I can easily and naturally speak on and so it's helped me yeah. change my own content pillars oh yeah I'm glad to hear it and yeah I've definitely found that as well when I first started um doing social media posts for myself for my business definitely because I've done them for years for other people and you just don't um I actually think that's been like an incredible strength because it helps me actually write for my clients a lot better um, to do it for myself and for my own business, um, versus just doing it for someone else so always informs, um, the process in a different way, doing it directly like that. Um, but yeah, I found what you said where I started being like, Oh, what will be the most engaging thing? What are all the gurus doing? What's like this and that? And, what exactly should I do? And I was following all of the quote best practices. And honestly, sometimes last year, um, or a little over a year ago, I would get like, not like burned out, but like a little, like, ugh, like not even like you said, joy, I think is a good way to phrase it. Like I wouldn't necessarily look forward to it. I would find it as like, Oh, another, uh, sort of like, box to check for my business. And when I started, as you said, kind of leaning into like, okay, let me just post what feels really natural to me. Let me post what, and I mean, you can absolutely still do that. I think people confuse, and I think this is like a really important point. I think people think if they want to bring value, they have to be miserable. <laughs> Like that is not the case. Like you can be bring value and still write about things you enjoy. And in fact, I would argue you bring more value when you write about things you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, there is, as you said, a certain amount of authenticity. There's a different tone to it. It comes more easily and it's more readable and it's more relatable when you do all of those things. So um yeah, I I didn't come up with my content pillars for a little while, but I definitely think that at first I was just like, well, what's a viral topic? And I, I've definitely strayed from that and instead go with what I feel is useful, what I feel I, I want to hear, but like would also be helpful for other people to hear as well. Mm-hmm. 
I think it brings a different energy level when you're actually talking about yeah. something you enjoy and people can see that in your writing or in whatever it is that you're doing. People see that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so too. And yeah, absolutely. And I used to think even that I was too maybe like idyllic or idealistic or too much of like a dreamer again to um, kind of speak in a way that, you know, an authoritative way about marketing, about copywriting and stuff, because I, I, but I realized like that was really one of the parts of myself when I did get in that like rut, um, in my late twenties, early thirties that I missed, I missed being a dreamer. I missed being optimistic. I missed having like a kinder view of the world and I'm coming back to that. And I actually think that's a strength. And instead of, (laughs) you know, people have such cutthroat views about, um, marketing and copywriting sometimes where they're like oh well it's just about numbers it's not about people and i would argue that that's actually really really misguided because one of the strongest ways to have really great copywriting to do like excel and everything like that is to build relationships and to be kind and to be genuine and that is really 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 effective and it goes against all of those oh people are just numbers you know um all of that sort of cutthroat um maybe more outdated uh strategy yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think it comes down to uh, exactly what you said uh the book that came to mind when you said that was a -hmm. thousand super fans by pat flynn oh i love that book yeah so it it doesn't matter how many numbers you have. If you have a thousand people who actually enjoy what you do and care, you'll, you know, you'll make the money, you'll make the sale, whatever that is, people are going to be loyal to you compared to, Hey, if I have, you know, a hundred thousand followers on social media, how many of those people are going to buy? Probably not as many because you're, they're just, they just feel as if they're just a number and not, I have a connection. I have a relationship with this person. Yeah, no, and I definitely feel that way. And I think it comes through even with like silly stuff we've seen on LinkedIn where one, I don't even know how this is 100% um, desirable, but I mean, I will get, and I'm sure um, you may get it too. Everyone may get it, but um, the DMs that are like, oh, I can get you like fill up your calendar with discovery calls. I can get you 30 leads a week. I can get you 50 leads a week, all that business. And one, I couldn't handle 30 leads a week. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't have the capacity uh, with my small business to do that. (laughs) So, um, but you also want qualified leads. You want the leads that are going to um, result in a great coaching relationship and a transformation for your clients and everything like that. And, um, it doesn't sound, at least to me personally, unless you're um, have a lot, a lot of people working for you, unless you're just scaling to like Tony Le- Robbins level, like he can probably do it. But as a solopreneur, as a small business, chances are you're not going to quite get that many per week. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's saying that in a like discouraging way. I don't think that's saying that in a you know, whatever way, I think it's way more genuine and way more useful to say, build relationships with people, connect with people in a meaningful way versus just fire out, you know, (laughs) just talk to everyone who will talk to you, even if it's like 50 random people, that's not an effective way to do meaningful business. Anyway. Can you just explain what a content pillar is and how can somebody find their own unique content pillars? Yeah, yeah. Um, So I've, you know, um, you can go ahead and uh, Google this. It's like really like content marketing 101, but um, so you can find different explanations out there. Um, One of my favorite explanations was just in the book, Simply Be by Jessica. I want to say 
I'm going to mispronounce your name, Z-W-E-I-G, uh, however you say that. <laughs> um, and in Simply Be, she just describes content pillars as um, basically how it starts, how people tend to start posting on social media is a little bit like, you know, um, like a, I've seen this uh, exact analogy, like a squirrel on meth on Facebook or something like that, where they just like... <laughs> post anything and everything that comes to their mind, you know, they post like a picture of their breakfast, they um, talk about their most recent breakup, they, they kind of go nuts. And what content pillars do is just narrow your focus in a really, really helpful way. <laughs> um, and I've seen people say you need four, but like, I mean, you can have like four to eight, you know, whatever, it really works for you. Um, and what it is, is it's, it is, it's a means of helpfully sort of focusing your content. You might want to think, like you said, about what your readers want to read, but at the same time, what's true to you. So, and what you enjoy, what brings you joy. So, um, you know, if, I don't know, like culinary stuff doesn't bring you joy, don't post about it, you know, um, even if it might be useful to your audience, now you said you're into coaching and personal development, like perfect. So I would say it's just a way, yeah, start with like four topics. It can be really, really general, actually. I think people feel like confined by content pillars sometimes like, oh gosh, now I can only write about these four topics. But if you think about it, make it super general to start. If you find you're always like too scattered brained, you can always narrow it down further mm -hmm. But start with really general topics. Like, for example, mine are coaching, writing, compassion, and growth. And if you think about that, those are all really, really broad. But mm -hmm. that helps me and I can go back. And um, you could write about coaching. Like, there's so, so many topics you could write that relate to coaching for years really mm -hmm. same thing with writing same thing with compassion same thing with growth so that's all it is is it's just a way of narrowing your focus a little bit and it's just a way of you know sort of bringing a little bit of mindfulness to what you're posting and to bring that value and again that doesn't mean not staying true to yourself you can always like maybe ask yourself a few questions like Yes, I probably would skip the picture of my breakfast because it doesn't have anything to do with any of the, the content fillers. But at the same time, um, you know, writing lights me up. I've written about just like how powerful words are and how they've changed the course of history, which is 100% true treaties, philosophies, religion, blah, 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 blah. And that is absolutely in line um, and can bring also bring value to my audience because I think some people underestimate the power of words they get like a little jaded where like they're like oh I'm off writing all these emails to my clients and what's it for and it's like well because it has a really really huge potential to build that relationship and to even like change lives over time so um yeah <laughs> It's really like, it's a huge topic, content pillars and things like that. So if you have any other specific questions, I'm happy to answer them. Do you think that four is the minimum amount of content pillars you should have? Um, I would say three. And like three is if like you have just like an amazing um, <clears throat> breadth of, you know, like a topic that you could write on forever. Um, I think people say four because, you know, they're thinking of like literal pillars. And if you have three, your building is going to fall down kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, three to four. And I think it definitely helps to have an absolute minimum of three. Four is helpful. Like I said, I really don't find any harm. If you want to do five, six, seven, go for it. You know, um, the thing is, having multiple pillars, definitely more than just like one or two does help kind of instill a little bit of variety and personality into your brand. 
Um, like to use an example, um, the to go back to the Simply Be book, she wrote um, that one of her pillars was, you know, um, marketing and another one was philanthropy and another one was, uh, I don't know, like her travels and um, <clears throat> like the color, like, I don't know. Um, another one was like sunshine or something. <laughs> and it's like, it just adds a little bit of like personality and a little bit of variety to what you do. Um, I do think you want to be, that is like um, starting to touch on other topics than just content pillars, but that is starting to get to the point of there are a lot of coaches out there and there are a lot of writers out there and that you want a little bit of something. I mean, you definitely want to stand out. Um, that's marketing 101, but um, it's also like you're a unique person with unique gifts to give to the world. Like your coaching is going to be the exact right fit for someone and it's going to be exactly what they need to get to that next stage of their life. And um, yeah, you want to make sure they know that you're that right person, that exact right person. So when we're making content, should we just focus on one pillar or can we, or should we combine those pillars in a post? Oh yeah, you can absolutely combine those pillars. Actually, that's, um, and this is something I guess I don't want to get it too into, um, because it might be hard. It's uh, easier to visualize, but let's say like there's an exercise you can do and that I actually think is like a ton of fun. And it also can give you a ton of topics for your posts, but let's say like you have your four content pillars and then you write little like subtopics for them. So if you have writing, you, I might write like content pillars underneath that. I might write, um, voice. I might write, you know, and I just like go and like do a little bit of bullet points for that. And then if I go to coaching and then if I go to like intuition, um, you know, um, personal development, growth, um, you know, and you just kind of like list like bullet points of what you enjoy in that pillar or what stands out to you in that pillar. Mm -hmm. Then what you can do is you can actually kind of, <laughs> and this is what might be hard to like talk about on a podcast versus like showing people with a piece of paper or a little presentation, you can actually cross-reference them. So you can go to like, okay, so if I have coaching and writing, I can do writing for coaches. That's like a, a small cross-reference, but I can get like really, really specific there too, where if I, um, I could go into like, so if I said intuition for coaches and content pillars, I could circle intuition and content pillars and relate those and come up with a post because I could say, follow your intuition when you're coming up with your content pillars, as you said, make them authentic to you, make them true to you. So you can actually go through, like I said, start with your content pillars, list like all the little bullet points of all the words, all the little phrases, topics that stand out to you, and then go back and circle like two of them and you'll have a post actually, mm. almost always. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'll have, to try, I'll have to try that soon. Yeah. I can try to, I should have made a worksheet and sent that out to everyone. <laughs> I can do that. Send it out retroactively or by the time you get the podcast up. <laughs> yeah, but we could do that. Uh, so one other question that I have not related to content creation was actually into what you did. I just want to say, congratulations. You got to be the co-author, uh, of a note to my family. I am your legacy. So could you give us a sneak peek into what that is about? Yeah. Yeah. So that is a collaboration and anthology that I did with 21 other, well, 20, excuse me, I'm 21 but uh 20 just really talented beautifully like unique people um people are coming at it from all different kind of perspectives walks of life different generations as well and it's just exactly what it sounds like it's people thought about the word legacy and what they want to leave with the world when they um yeah, just uh, the mark they want to leave on the world. And they 
wrote to that. And it's actually really interesting to see all the different results and the different um, angles people took from it. Um, and I actually almost didn't participate. <laughs> I kind of had someone, uh, one of my uh, close friends on LinkedIn, um, she approached me and asked me like, hey, like, you know, we're still looking for people. Would you like to take part? And I was, one, you know, I kind of maybe felt like a little bit of imposter syndrome, things like that. Um mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm 35. Do 35 year olds have a legacy yet? <laughs> you know, um, but I chose to wrote it to, excuse me. I chose to write it as a letter to um, my son and what I want him to always know. And um, yeah, to kind of take with him uh, in life. And that was a really fun and beautiful exercise. And I also think it, um, yeah, it was just a great, we talk about coaching, we talk about personal development. It was a great way to kind of get out of my comfort zone and everything like that, because um, I don't know if it was something I would have done if I didn't get an, a little extra nudging. And I'm, I'm really uh, glad I did. And it, it's a really beautiful collaboration. It's a great anthology. A lot of talented people came together and there's just so much wisdom and it's all very different and unique. So mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Has that inspired Thanks. you or led you to another project that you're going, that you are working on or you're going to work on? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> sure. I, I will say that um, I absolutely, so I'm a copywriter, I write for coaches, but I've always wanted to write a book. Um, and I am doing what I can <laughs> lately to really lean into that and to actually make progress on it. And I am, yeah, I am trying to do that for me. And I, I thought actually, um, being a co-author and stuff. And I think this like shows, um, some personal progress in my life. So I'm, I'm happy for that. But, um, I thought when the book came out, I was just going to be like, Oh, I was a co-author. It's no big deal. And stuff. If great i'll be honest like i was like oh my gosh i did this you know yeah and i yes it's a book that's out there in the world and i do feel really proud of that and i don't mean that in like a humble brag sort of way i mean that in a way where i used to like never give myself any credit i used to <laughs> never celebrate my wins or anything like that so um feeling being able to feel proud of that is progress for me that's great <laughs> you know? yeah and yeah and then also it did as you said like really inspire me to get down and write my book and everything like that because it's a chapter hey like most chapters uh, most books excuse me are 12 to 13 chapters long so I just have to do that 12 more times and I have my own book <laughs> yeah <That's laughs> one way to do it break yeah. it down yeah <laughs> is it going to be fiction or nonfiction? Um, so, and I, I'm sorry if this is disappointing to you because I know you love fiction. Actually, one day, so those are my two goals. I do want to write a fiction book one day, but I'm starting with nonfiction. Um, and I've actually, I think that's where I've tussled the most with what I'm going to do is like the topic because mm. For a little while, I was like, okay, like the coaching industry just really has had such a huge impact on me. I'm going to sit down and write down like maybe my top like five, six, seven lessons from it and then write like kind of weave in my like life experiences and how it relates. And I want to say this very carefully because this can be done super skillfully and it can be executed well, but I've read maybe like three coaching books that didn't do it super skillfully or well mm -hmm. it, it was just very very general and it was like after the third book I'm like well anyone could have written this and it, mm -hmm. I don't know much about the author I don't know much about their lives mm -hmm. I don't know much about who they are so that was a really big lesson for me and I've been sort of shying away from telling parts of my story for getting into like some of um, the details of my childhood in my life and I'm like I'm going to go for it. I'm going to write a memoir kind of thing, uh, nonfiction. And I mean, if those lessons come up, I think they'll, they'll be a little bit more um, subtle and implied versus my 
my first idea, you know, my first draft of the book. I think I'm going to just write a straight memoir and go for it. Did you that'll set, be my first book. Did you set a deadline <laughs> for yourself yet? Gosh, see, that is so, I know maybe you can relate because um, yes, I can. sometimes I feel like that's, that's so hard to do with a toddler because if I did not have a child, um, if I didn't have my own business, but of course, like, you know, you're always going to be working. So um, more so the, the child thing. And I love him to pieces, not to say anything against him, but I'd probably give myself like two years if I didn't have a kid. Um, mm-hmm. I think my goal very arbitrarily is like, I, I want, I say I want to get it published and out in the world by the time I'm 42. So, and sometimes publishing go the traditional route can take like two to three years so wow. I'm looking at 39 to 40 so to have it finished and that should be plenty of time really um I do tons of writing actually for my business and my clients but I've actually found I think um some people have been like oh well does that mean like you won't get stuff done on your book and da, 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 da. I've actually found the opposite. The writing is a skill. It's a muscle like anything else. So the more you write, the easier it gets to write. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really helpful to to write so often um, and has helped me have that attitude because sometimes you can just sit down and write a paragraph and that's progress. That's, uh, as I said, like I, I wrote that chapter for a book. I just have to do that 12 more times. I really do believe that. And <laughs> That's how I'm going to break it down to get it done. So um, very, very um, uh, generally speaking, 39 is my hard, 39 to 40 is my hard stop, but hopefully it'll be a little sooner. Okay. <laughs> so now we're now uh, nearing the end of the podcast. So we're getting into these three questions that I ask all the guests so that the name of the podcast is choose to live, love, and grow. So I have one question on each topic. So the first question is what advice can you share about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world? I love that. That's such a deep question. Um, How to live a life that leaves a positive impact on the world, correct? Yes. Okay. I would say, and I've almost gotten to the point where I almost don't have to give my little disclaimer, but I will say that I was a very, very skeptical person in my twenties and uh, late twenties and stuff. And I think personal development and coaching and stuff has helped me lean into spirituality. It has helped me lean into my intuition. It's helped me lean into being kinder to myself and others. And again, like embracing that dreamer part of me. So um I will say this 100% um, just genuinely, like, I think if you want to leave an impact on the world, focus on love first and like focus on how to make the world a more loving place. And obviously like that can start on a micro level. Like obviously if we're great parents, our kid will go out into the world and hopefully make a positive impact So there's definitely that on a micro level. And then there can be a macro level too, where if, um, you know, we're really loving and creating relationships through writing, through podcasting, through whatever the medium may be, and just kind of sending that message out to people that their experiences are valid, they're not alone, um, raising awareness for different issues, all of those things I consider to be incredibly loving. And I think those can reach a lot of people and also leave a positive impact on the world. Love it. So question number two, what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love? Ooh, okay. I love that too. That's some great questions. <laughs> I would say definitely I'm biased, right? Right. Journal, um, go through all your feelings. Don't hold back. I think, um, awareness is a big one and if you're not aware of what you're feeling your experiences and stuff like that like then you can't begin to love yourself so I feel like uh journaling is a 
great, great tool to cultivate that self-awareness and to begin to know yourself so that you can love who you are. Um, so I think that's a great way to do it. I think, um, there is almost, I think another great way is to becoming a parent has done this for me too, is to almost like imagine yourself as a child and the needs you had then and everything like that. Um, and parenting has sort of inadvertently, um, gotten me to do that, but I think we're so overcritical of ourselves. We're our own mm. harshest critics and all of that. Yeah. And when you think back to yourself as a child and you can even relate to it as a parent where like, well, what did I need and who did I need as a child? I think it can be a really powerful awareness. I love that quote. It's a little cheesy, but it's like, be the person you needed when you were younger so be the person you needed when you were younger. That's another great self-love thing. And um, the other, the last little bit I would say is like, just embrace joy. Embrace like the small things that make you happy. Like I I say it on my uh, LinkedIn post sometimes and I'm like, is this going to be a thing? Like if I ever got really famous, would people send me stickers? I would love that. And so I always talk about how much I love stickers and cover like my planner with stickers I don't care that that's a very 12 year old habit. It makes me happy. You know? <laughs> so um, do that, like run into the ocean, you know, walk barefoot in the grass, do whatever. Me- I mean, you know, certain people like their little like DMX bikes or whatever, whatever, like uh, for whatever makes you just really, really happy. Um, embrace all of that stuff, even if it's, no matter what it is, I guess. <laughs> All right. And the final Life question. Oh, yes, absolutely. The final question I have <laughs> is, what strategies or practices do you recommend for people looking to enhance their self-awareness or self-reflection? <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, <laughs> I took my own answer. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I, so... <laughs> <laughs> again i so i would say the two biggest ones um one i would go back to writing and journaling um always always helpful even if it's to yeah if you're having a really hard time with something i would just say to write about it and to um not hold back and no one has to see it and it can really give you some beautiful clarity about it um even gratitude journaling and hard times can give you um a lot of um perspective and um kind of help you appreciate your blessings when you might not (laughs) that might not be your default at the time if you're going through it um so love love those practices super helpful um always recommend them um they're helpful for so many things that's why i've mentioned them a few times um the other one i would say for self-awareness is I would say meditation actually and mindfulness. If you want to take that up a bit, learn about it a little bit. Um, I think it's a great way to really be um, cognizant of all of the crazy, like racing thoughts in your head, all of the things that are going on, because I think a lot of us are on autopilot and just like walking through life, going through the motions, mm-hmm. not even realizing like, okay, like we have this, mental chatter that's sort of um sometimes getting in what we want sometimes it's helpful but mostly it's uh I think a lot of our thoughts are negative and that's even scientifically proven Mm -hmm. and I think when you lean into meditation that gives you that awareness that okay like these are the thoughts I'm having and then you can know like okay I'm not my thoughts maybe this like thought that I don't know, you're a terrible writer or terrible podcaster or terrible coach, or I don't know what a terrible parent, you know, maybe there's not as much to it. And it's just a thought. And, um, when you know that your thoughts are kind of just like the weather and sometimes they're going to be good and sometimes they're going to be bad. I think, um, you can get down to who you really are versus what just like passing thoughts are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Great answers. Um, I just want to acknowledge you for coming on to my podcast. I really appreciate you uh, spending time teaching us about writing who you are. And I think that people will genuinely get value out of this podcast. And I just want to thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. And thank you for inviting me. The best ways to connect with Leanne are through LinkedIn and her website, singlesparkcoachingcopy.com. The best way to support her is following her on LinkedIn and being on the lookout for when she will be launching her own newsletter, which will be in the near future. It's something you're not going to want to miss. Leanne was kind enough to give us a worksheet on how to create content based off of your content pillars. To download the PDF, look in the show notes. Don't miss out on exclusive content and sign up for the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow newsletter to have it delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget to live, love, and grow to be the best version of you. Oh, and one more thing. If you or a young man that you know suffer from victim mindset or are not reaching their fullest potential, then visit mattfindora.com to see how we can work together to become the best version of ourselves. That's mattfindora.com. The link will be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and have an outstanding day.